Sony. Hello, Canada. Today's date is February 19th, 2023. Welcome to a full edition of Canadian Common Sense, Canada's Issues in Under an Hour. It is Tony in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in BC. How goes it, my man? Oh, pretty good. Pretty good. Um, I just want to mention to our listeners, if you are located in the Okanagan Valley, the uh, Summerland High School is doing their annual musical theater production. And we were there last night and it was amazing. I highly recommend okay. you go. I highly recommend you go. The, um, the, they've had a, a few years of COVID like everyone else. And so they have not been making the money that they normally would from this production the last couple of years. So they need it. It's, um, uh, it's very expensive to put on that production and they, uh, and they do an amazing job of it. So uh, I highly recommend it. The shows next week are uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and uh, uh, yeah, just it, it's it's a really really great production. Awesome, and uh, well, we've got a really great production for you today, Canada. But before we get to the topics of the day, we've got a couple housekeeping items to take care of. Um, one of those is the healthcare funding. We had talked last week about it and we had the numbers a little off and we're going to talk a bit more about healthcare later in the show, but just wanted to correct the numbers. It was $196 billion announced altogether. Uh, $150 billion of that is actually already woven into existing deals. That's just sort of ongoing funding over the next 10 years. So there was 46 billion of new funding, which is still a lot of money. And I believe it's 21 of that was for this 2% increase that the provinces just agreed to uh, a couple of days ago. And the other 25 billion is for the quote unquote bilateral deals where each province will make a, a separate deal with, with the federal, federal government. So just wanted to correct those numbers on you so that you've got that straightened out. And, um, Another housekeeping item, we had talked last week about some air quotes weather balloons. Um, Lewis, you had an update on that one. Yeah. Um, so the the first balloon that they shot down, apparently, the one that they allowed to, um, you know, hover over top secret areas for a week, <laughs> um, <laughs> was that from, from all reports is a suspected Chinese spy balloon. Um, what this spy balloon could have uh, done for China that a satellite could not is beyond me. I, I don't know. Um, I know that the satellites that we have up in orbit are pretty technologically advanced that, and China's got their own up there. So I don't know what that balloon could have told them that the satellite couldn't, but uh it is what it is. Uh, the other three that have been shot down, including the two that were shot down at or near the Canadian border, uh, one was shot down over the Yukon and the other was shot over Lake Huron. Uh, those apparently, you're gonna love this, were ham radio 
communication balloons put up by ham radio enthusiast clubs from around the world. Um, they, uh, one of which is located in Michigan, the one that was shot down over the Yukon. That's the one that was uh, launched by the, uh, by the group in Michigan. The balloon itself cost them $12 off Amazon. And, uh, <laughs> and it was, its payload was a ham radio, like, uh, uh, booster or something so that they could use for, to communicate further around the world. And, um, they used a $400,000 Sidewinder missile to shoot down this $12 ham radio balloon. And apparently these ham radio balloons that at, at any one time there are approximately 12 to 24 of them around the world and we just shot down three of them <laughs> i feel much safer now knowing those ham radio balloons are out of our skies <laughs> yeah <laughs> Aren't, aren't you aren't you just so happy that 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 the Canadian Air Force was not even able to protect our skies from a ham radio balloon? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna sleep a lot better at night now. I tell you. <laughs> oh boy. But I but I think the all most right. shocking. I think the most shocking part of all of that is the fact that Canada couldn't even shoot one down. Yeah. Hey, there you go. That's, <laughs> that's a very good point. <laughs> All right, Canada. So we got one more not so mild housekeeping item to, uh, to cover today. And that is, it's been five years since we started this show. And uh, it actually just dawned on me this past week that, uh, yeah, February, 2018, we started this show. Um, that was actually your baby, Lewis, because you decided instead of you and I just phoning each other and texting each other to complain about Canadian politics, maybe we should start a podcast. So I said, yeah, all right, we can try that. And then Canadian common sense was born. And I firmly believe that you and I would be the only people who ever listened to this show. But uh, what do you know, five years later, our audience just keeps growing for a, you know, a show that we don't advertise and, uh, you know, don't, uh, don't promote anywhere other than on our own show. It's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty impressed. We, we just keep growing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and five years ago, we were the only listeners. Um, I remember every time we finished a show, uh, you know, we'd look on the downloads on the app that we had that we were using and, uh, and it would say two. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> And now, and now the, the number is substantially higher than that. Uh, we've got listeners, uh, apparently we've looked at the analytics recently and uh, apparently we have listeners all around the world, um, mostly in Canada. I believe it, I believe it was 83% of the listeners were in Canada. 14% um, were in the US and then we had a bunch spread out around the world, um, including, uh, I think we were listed as the number three political podcast in uh, Peru. So that was interesting. Um, 
so <laughs> but but yeah we uh we've we've been we're very i mean the growth that we've had is is pretty great uh we, our listeners are all over the place and we have lots of listener interactions um that we uh that we really enjoy and um yeah the uh and the fact we've been doing this for five years and we've been doing it for free i mean that's that's pretty cool i mean we we don't advertise we, or we don't have anyone advertise and we do that on purpose and that's just so that our uh our opinions can it can never be said that our opinions are not our opinions and um and uh we just want to bring truth to uh to canadians and even if that truth is wrong i mean we we're going to be wrong once in a while but it, but you know that we're not lying to you yeah and actually that's uh that statement right there is going to be woven into the fabric of our show today as far as not being afraid to to tell the truth so on the show today kayla lemieux back in the news made in quebec the emergencies act inquiry report and more where do you want to start sir well let's just start with kayla lemieux the low-hanging fruit here all right so uh lewis because you are the uh, best descriptor of who kayla lemieux is can you remind our listeners who is <laughs> kayla lemieux again <laughs> Kayla Lemieux is uh, the shop teacher uh, of the school in Ontario, a high school in Ontario that uh, has that wears these enormous fake rubber breasts, these prosthetic breasts that are just like like just friggin' enormous, like so big it's not even safe for 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 Kayla Lemieux to be operating shop equipment. And that's what Kayla Lemieux teaches at that school. And they are, they're so big, it's ridiculous. It can only be a joke. That's how we've always looked at it is that they're so big and so um, in your face <laughs> that, <laughs> that they can that it had to be a joke and then we find out it wasn't a joke or a troll um and and then now we're finding out that it just might be exactly yeah i mean uh no kalo's not a troll or is he a troll? The New York Post just reported, and this came out yesterday or maybe it was Friday, that Kayla Lemieux's neighbors um, are wondering what the fuss is about because they see, I guess maybe it's Carrie Lemieux, out often dressed as a male with no enormous prosthetic breasts, doing his grocery shopping, uh, being out in the community, etc. So maybe Lewis, you were actually right after all in suggesting that maybe this dude is just trolling the system because it's yeah. looking right now like he's a troll. Yeah, I mean, besides the point that he looks like a troll, but the, um, <laughs> but, but yeah, apparently, uh, Kayla Lemieux's neighbors say that the only time that he, she, they um, 
you know, dons these enormous rubber prosthetic breasts is when the police show up to check on him, her, they, because uh, apparently they do a welfare check on, on this, this individual on a regular basis because of all the um, online hate that he, she, they receives. And, um, uh, and that, so they, they do a regular welfare check on, on Kayla Lemieux, but Kayla Lemieux tends to only wear those enormous prosthetic breasts when the police show up to do their welfare check or when they go to school to teach. And that's it, apparently. So it would seem, yeah. So um, as always, we will bring you more as as more becomes available. But right now, I'm uh, I'm pretty happy to go with the the troll description. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, I I just can't think of any other um, any other uh, explanation at this point. But you know, as the information becomes available, we will keep you abreast of the situation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mic drop moment <laughs> yes we will definitely keep you abreast of the situation there was a school board meeting in oakville over well it wasn't even over this issue because the school is just dragging its feet making a dress code policy for teachers but parents are fed up they've had enough of it so we'll uh yep we'll keep you keep you posted as uh as the story emerges so um Let's move on for a minute to the healthcare deal. Now we had just referred to the the money end of it, and I'm finding it really funny now how Doug Ford is suddenly all in. Well, it's only a two percent increase. It's not going to transform healthcare, but it sure is going to help. And he seems quite enthusiastic just to get on board and take what he can get. Danielle Smith, not so much. Francois Legault seems a little cold on it as well. So I'm really curious how the bilateral deals are going to go, Lewis. Uh, what are you hearing? Yeah, um, I, I got to say I'm a little disappointed in Doug Ford. He's um, he's not being the conservative prime, uh, premier that we kind of were hoping he was going to be. Uh, he's kind of been a bit red. Um, and uh, kind of has cozied up to the prime minister a little bit here. And that's very disappointing, especially considering that uh, Trudeau's tumble in the polls would make you think that Doug Ford would actually, you know, start to pile on a bit uh, to kind of help his federal counterpart in, an, in, the, in the next election. Um, but he seems to be uh, cozying up a bit. To uh, Trudeau and and Trudeau's polls have rebounded a little bit in the polls because of that, and uh, um, it's very disappointing because this healthcare deal is really not the deal that they've advertised it to be. I mean, it's the majority, the overwhelming majority of that money is is stuff that was already announced or already. Uh, Part of the incremental three percent increase that is is uh, uh, already factored into the healthcare legislation that that uh, Harper put in place when he was prime minister. Um, so uh, 
I mean, the, 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 the 46 billion, I mean, yeah, that's a lot of money. Um, it's not a lot of money over 10 years to be spread out amongst 13 jurisdictions. Um, in fact, that's not very much money at all when you consider that it's got to be spread out across the country. It only works out to, uh, you know, I think for BC, I think it only works out to like $400 million per year, which sounds like a lot of money. But when you look at the fact that six, like it's over 50% of the BC budget and it's over 50% of every provincial budget, almost, and it's 60% in some of the maritime provinces, um, healthcare, you know, when it makes up 50 to 60% of your, of your annual budget, $400 million in BC is kind of a drop in the bucket. It's not, not a lot of money. Um, and the money isn't the problem. I mean, there's, we, we have so much money in the system in Canada. We, we spend more per capita on healthcare than any other nation on earth, I believe. Uh, like the most amount of public money that is spent in, in healthcare on earth. So we, the money is there. We don't need more money. We need to spend it wisely. We need to spend it better. Right now, if you look at the Canadian healthcare system, we have 10 times the administrators that the German healthcare system has. And Germany has a little over two times the population that Canada has. And we have 10 times the healthcare administrators. Our system is so top heavy in Canada that the money doesn't reach the patient because it's paying for management. Yeah, so I mean, definitely reforms are needed. And I'm glad you mentioned that Trudeau got a bit of a bump in the polls because I was actually kind of dismayed that that's something as simple as announcing more money for healthcare seems to have swayed public opinion that much. Now I'm, I'm curious with how with the with the bilateral deals because Trudeau's already sort of hinted there's going to be strings attached. Now the government of Saskatchewan has come out swinging ahead of this and said we will not be pursuing a digital ID. So I'm very happy uh, that my premier has at least stood up to make that point known. And Danielle Smith has already said like she does not want strings attached. Quebec never wants strings attached. So I. Uh, I think that the bilateral deals are either Trudeau is going to capitulate just so he can get it done and get that spring election that I've been calling for going, or he's going to drag it out and turn it into an election platform when he creates a budget in the spring and then runs on that budget document document as his election platform like Doug Ford did. Yeah. And um, I mean, in BC, yeah, I mean, the BC government, we love strings. Um, it's strings are awesome. <laughs> well, well, BC, BC will take any strings the federal government wants to uh, attach to uh, the money as as long as uh, you know they get the money. They they don't care. We've the NDP governments are just so frustrating because they don't actually care about the people. Same as liberal governments. And and I'm gonna and and you know and I, we talked about this along the last show where. Right, I've referenced what Rod Giltaka from the CCFR said on the interview show that we did um, a week and a half ago. And, and the, the thing is, is that if you look at everything that the, 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 that the 
liberals and NDP governments do. And you decide to, that it's not incompetence. They're not incompetent. They're just bad people. I mean, the way that they, they just don't care if something is bad for Canadians, as long as it's good for them, um, that they're bad people. They're just bad people. And, and, um, and I mean, my, my provincial NDP government just proves it. They just legalize drugs without putting any money into rehab and, and treatment. Um, they allow for vending machines for cocaine, meth, um, you know, any hard drugs. They, these vending machines are on the streets of Vancouver. They've, uh, there's a store that's going to be opening up in Vancouver that's going to sell these hard drugs. And uh, they, they know that teenagers are buying the drugs from these machines, and yet they leave those machines on the street. They don't take them off. Um, they, they just, they're bad people. They, they know that these, these things are not good for Canadians or, or British Columbians, and yet they, they do them anyway. And that, that to me is not incompetence. That's just evil. Well, that's a good segue into our, our discussion about MAID. I was moderately encouraged when the federal government said, okay, we're going to put the brakes on the mental illness part of MAID, which was supposed to take effect on March 17th. They've now said, well, let's, let's review it for another year. So it's a, a stay of execution, as it were, for those who uh, are, have mental health issues. But Quebec ever the eager province to, to bump off their citizens, has decided, remember Quebec, we brought to you on a previous show that the, uh, the MAID committee, if you want to call them that in Quebec, had recommended that perhaps infants who have uh, birth defects could be included in the MAID program. Now, it's only a suggestion. It has not become legislation yet. I've got to make that clear. But Quebec is now eager to, to include mature minors, which we had brought up on this show before as well. But being Quebec, they had to make a twist to that and say, well, mature minors, yes. And if it's determined, there's, of course, there's no criteria for what is a mature minor age-wise. So if they believe that that 14-year-old is mentally competent, even against the wishes of their parents, the Quebec government or the Quebec committee on MAID has suggested that, yeah, we should still be able to offer MAID to a mature minor who can make the responsible decision on their own even if their parents don't consent when they're under 18 and i just thought speaking of bad people that is truly evil yeah um that is actually the doctor of college or the college of doctors and physicians okay like the the governing body of doctors and physicians in the, in the province of Quebec are the ones that uh, suggested that may be extended to, um, to newborn babies with, with birth defects. Um, that's no. that, the do, that the do is, no harm is, crowd. Is that not eugenics? That sounds like it to me, especially like, when you want to include newborn babies. Yeah, like that is, that's eugenics. That's what the Nazis did. Like the Nazis offed people that were 
that were uh, not just different races or or different belief systems. They they offed people who were disabled, who were mentally handicapped. Um, like this sounds a whole hell of a lot like what happened in Germany prior to World War II. Um, and to think that a 14 year old has the wherewithal to make a, a reasoned decision on whether to, to stay living or not is, is completely asinine. I think, I mean, to think that they even have the, the mental fortitude to decide whether they are a boy or a girl is, is insane. But this is, this is even worse. This is even higher consequences. Um, I mean, I, I would not put it past the you know, the, the, the Quebec government to say that this applies to Anglophones only, but, <laughs> um, but, but, uh, but it's, I, I'm just, I'm just shocked and dismayed. I, I mean, it, this is evil. This is evil. It, it just is. I mean, 30%, 30% of teenage girls have contemplated suicide. That is a real number, by the way. 30% of teenage girls have considered, have thought about suicide. 15% of boys, teenage boys, have thought about and considered suicide. These are not the people that we should be trusting with judgment on situations that are this serious and, and dire. Um, they, they're, 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 the decision-making uh, lobe in their, in their brain does not fully develop until you are 25 years old. 25 before your, the decision-making you know, portion of your brain is fully developed. And even then, I would say people still don't make good decisions. It's, it's, um, this is, I, I think this is that made, like I've said this before on the show, made, I support made in its original application. And that was for terminally ill people who are in uh, severe pain and, and there was no reasonable expectation of uh, of recovery that basically it was death was imminent and they got to die on their own um, on their own terms that I still support but even when made was passed originally and it was it had those criteria those those parameters even then we said on this show and you can go back and look we said on this show that that was that there was a a uh, uh, it, to be careful of the slippery slope that it would origin that it would be used for this, but they could start adding things that it could be used for down the road, and it, that exact thing happened. And now we are talking about girls with bulimia 
or anorexia or depression being allowed to opt to off themselves. And that that's yeah. insane. That is insane that we as a, a, as a country are willing to just go along with that. This is, this is evil. And this is perpetrated by bad people. Yeah. Now picture this Canada. I know there are parents of teenagers out there in our, our listenership. Teenager A, you're grounded. OMG, I hate my life. I want to kill myself. Um, I know damn well that's happened in my house a number of times. No, you can't go out. No, you can't use the car. Oh, I hate my life. Well, the Quebec government can help you end that life. And like you say, Lewis, no, not the highest capability for rational decision-making at that time in their life. Well, they can sign that paperwork now, even because, well, parents may object, but the Quebec government says, yeah, yeah, that's, that, that's an okay reason. You hate your life. We, let's, let's take care of that for you. Just, it is evil. That, 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 there's no other word for it. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's move on to, well, not evil necessarily, but definitely incompetent. Brenda Lucky has announced her, air quotes, retirement this past week. And uh, Andrew Lawton actually said it really well on his show because it, when she made the announcement, she made certain distress that she made the personal decision that it was time to retire. And he said, uh, almost reminds you of, of a hostage who's got a gun pointed to their back and they're in front of the camera saying, I am being well treated by my captors. Um, <laughs> did we have to know it was a personal decision and make sure you stress that it is a personal decision? So um, um, to me, I think she's being pushed out the door, but she's making that personal decision to fall on her sword for her, uh, for her overlords. And actually, listener Craig had made a post on our uh, on our Facebook page about that, saying, you know, is she just the first one who's going to fall on her sword for Trudeau? And, well, she is but the first, and I, I think there's going to be more before the next election comes along. Well, I mean, she isn't even the first. I mean, how many, how many people have actually, have already thrown themselves under the bus to save Trudeau's backside? I it, it's it's well that's a good point and, and not just voluntarily done it who have they chosen to fall under the bus uh to save Trudeau's backside I mean um uh Jody Wilson-Raybould was chosen to be the one to uh to 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 be thrown under the bus we had uh you know um oh what's his name that twit that used to be the uh uh, finance minister. Um, oh, Bill Morneau. Yeah, Bill Morneau. Sorry, I couldn't remember him because he was so insignificant. Um, but <laughs> but Bill Morneau was was chosen as the one to uh, fall on his sword. There was um, uh, Castroneves, right? Um, she was she was kind of. I mean, she she kind of quit, but but she was on the outside looking in. Um, there's. Brenda Lucky now has been chosen to be the one to uh, fall on her sword. Uh, I mean, how many, how many have, how many are, are willing to be the ones before they speak up and say, nah, this isn't right. Like, I, this is not my fault. This is his. I mean, how many are going to do this bef before someone actually stands up for what's right? I mean, 
what, what, what benefit do they get by being the ones to take the blame? Um, unless there's some financial benefit that we're not aware of, but I, I don't know. I mean, this is, this is getting kind of ridiculous that, that just one after the other are going, Oh, it's my fault. Not Trudeau's it's fine. <laughs> and, uh, and riding off into the sunset on a donkey. I mean, it's, it's uh it, it doesn't make any sense to me and i don't i don't get what's happening uh unless like i said there's some financial benefit for these people to do this um i'm not accusing anyone of of you know taking bribes or anything i'm just saying i mean what, what else could there be it's it's um i mean brenda lucky she got the job in the first place through nepotism <laughs> Um, and, and now she's losing the job because she, you know, was not good. She, she wasn't, she was, she was so incompetent and willing to do the bidding of the, of the liberal government in her position as commissioner of the RCMP, which is not supposed to be a political position. She, I mean, we've seen the emails, we've seen the testimony, um, she was she was doing their bidding um and that's and that's really unfortunate and and i mean like i said before it it's i don't think it's incompetence i don't think that it's uh you know ignorance it, it's it's these are bad people i mean she was supposed to be a cop first and foremost and she turned into a liberal lackey and that to me is not incompetence that is that's just bad. That's her being bad. Yeah. Well, and uh, I'll back it up to say that that the only liberal MP that I can think of that actually just walked away because they were tired of the BS was Jane Philpot. And uh, I mean, she actually just said that this guy's a loser, and I'm I'm out of here essentially. But I mean, she's the one lone voice in the wilderness. So, but back to Brenda Lucky. I mean, she made bad decision after bad decision she came right out and, and thank god for darren campbell who was the superintendent in nova scotia who actually recorded brenda lucky saying hey man we got the liberals wanna or the government wants this some this gun control legislation that's going to help us so uh we got to get out and, and and you know name these firearms and he said no no we don't so uh thank you darren campbell and i'll remember your name forever yeah but uh what what i find funny with brenda lucky's announcement is that she talked about how woke she made the rcmp how she worked worked on the the, the systemic racism and inclusion diversity etc not once did she talk about how under her tenure the rcmp got better at keeping canadians safe and upholding the laws of the country never not once it was all about her goals to make the RCMP a much more woke and inclusive police service. And I thought, yeah, that's a big fail in my, uh, in my books. Well, yeah, but she couldn't, she couldn't claim that she made th that under, under her tenure, that, that, that Canadians were safer because it, it simply isn't true. Um, I mean, that, that could be refuted very easily. Um, by by any member of the media at her press conference so she probably didn't want to take the chance of claiming that that was something that she accomplished because you know gang 
gang crime in this country has increased like 92% or something stupid or 93% in, in uh, the past 10 years, the, or eight years, I think it is just since Trudeau has been in office and she's been the commissioner. Um, it, the um, violent crime is up in Canada, like 32% or 33%, something like that uh, across the country. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, she can't claim that Canada's safer or that the, that the police are putting bad guys behind bars and, and all this because it simply isn't true. Uh, and, and she has um, the fact that she would go against her rank and file police officers and say that, or even against the Police Chief Association of Canada and back these these firearm uh, confiscations and the uh, uh, the uh, the bans on on certain types of guns and and all of that when the police chiefs the police chief association says that they will that the the bans and the and that will do nothing to make Canadian streets safer will not they will do nothing for the murder rates or for the gang crime rates that. You know, I mean, and it's not just the police chiefs, it's also the rank and file members say the same thing. Hell, I know several rank and file members. I'm my my best friend since high school is is a retired RCMP member. They all say that they all say the same thing that as as cops, they actually support concealed carry. Because places that allow concealed carry have lower violent crime rates and lower murder rates than, can, than Canadian provinces. So it's, they, they have, they, they know the goods. They know what's, what's true. And Brenda Lucky basically said that, you know, the police chiefs were wrong, the rank and file members were wrong, and the liberals were right. And that to me, that to me is enough for her to lose her job, but I'm glad she's gone. Uh, I do not hold out hope that we're going to get a better RCMP commissioner because Trudeau will appoint uh, some RCMP member that uh, is going to toe their line and and just do do their bidding. Um, and uh, and I have no no doubts whatsoever that that's what's going to happen. So. Brenda Lucky being there or gone is probably not going to make much of a difference. Nope, that's probably true. And then uh, we'll actually segue her into our last topic for the day and the big one, that being the Emergencies Act inquiry. Brenda Lucky was also the one who was phoning around to the police chiefs of the OPP and the Ottawa Police Service saying, hey, have you, uh, have you backed up the, the Trudeau government on invoking the Emergencies Act? And And I just thought, yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, she would say that, even though nobody actually backed the Emergencies Act. But I have to say that the Liberals investigated the Liberals, and they found that they had done nothing wrong with the Emergencies Act inquiry. I'm disappointed as hell. I'm actually angry that the fact that the Liberals' handpicked judge found that the Liberals were justified in invoking the Emergencies Act, given the parameters that he had to look only at the Freedom Convoy themselves, the funding, 
and the quote-unquote misinformation, not actually at the, the Liberal government's role in this, other than they're invoking the Emergencies Act. I'm, uh, I mean, I, I'm not surprised. We had mentioned on this show that it was very likely that the Liberals' handpicked judge who once worked for Liberal Prime Minister John Turner would find that the Liberal government who appointed him to head this commission would find that the Liberal government did nothing wrong. Speaking of bad people, yeah. So uh, no, it, it's exactly true. I, I mean, that's that's what's happened, right? It's and it and it's and it's crap. I mean, this is BS. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, anytime there's a commission that's called into the actions of of the government, such as invoking the Emergencies Act, that maybe that justice that's heading up the inquiry should be chosen by the opposition parties and not by the governing party, because it's the governing party that was under investigation. I mean, or under review, let's put it that way. It's not under investigation, yeah. but under review to make sure that their that their actions were justified. Well, maybe the opposition parties should have been the one to ones to choose choose that uh, judge, not the people who were being looked at, who whose actions were being scrutinized. Yeah, and I. Uh... The only way I can give Justice Rulo any credit in this, like there's, there's a couple of things. You know what? We'll bring in both sides, Canada, because that's what we did while the Freedom Convoy was in Ottawa. You know, Lewis and I watched countless hours of video and read lot, all kinds of reports to bring you both sides of the story as best we could. And so we'll try that again here with this inquiry. Justice Rulo did say that reasonable and informed people may come to a different conclusion than he did. Well, we are definitely informed. I'm not that reasonable right now because I'm angry, but it's quite easy to uh, look at it from our end based on the information that we saw with our own eyes, what was going on in Ottawa to say that, no, it wasn't just. And even Justice Rouleau said, well, you know, even though CSIS said they didn't uh, meet the threshold under the CSIS Act, even though the, uh, the head of the OPP said, there were policing measures we could have used. Even though the Ottawa Police Service said we actually had a deal to move the trucks out of downtown Ottawa, even though Doug Ford ran and hid and went sledding while the convoy was in Ottawa, given all that, no, no, they were still justified in invoking the Emergencies Act because Cabinet felt like they had no other option. Well, and, and not, yeah. that's not a justification. Not. No, and, and not to mention that the that the that the blockades at the border crossings were removed prior to it being invoked. So I mean, they so they used essentially they used the Emergencies Act to clear a protest, and that's that they didn't agree with. Yeah, that they didn't agree with. I mean, they they cleared a protest on Parliament Hill with the Emergencies Act. This was not the occupation that the media is trying and the and the liberals are and and the ndp are trying to claim it was an occupation kind of i would say would require that these people were armed um and they weren't but they had wrenches they had winch bars they had a uh... A counterweight hanging on the end of a crane that was uh, apparently some kind of a uh, wrecking ball, I think they called it. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. No, and I mean, and I mean, all the stories that were being told by the media and by the liberals and everything about 
you know, people being harassed and people, you know, uh, uh, the, 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 the truckers attempted to burn down an apartment building and, and all of that. It's all, it's all BS. It's all, all of that is not true. I mean, were people, were people, uh, you know, uh, you know, yelled at for wearing a mask or whatever, you know what, probably, I mean, uh, who, who knows? I mean, the, the thing is, is that when you have that many people to, uh, together to protest something, you're always going to end up with some bad apples. Um, but really someone yelling at someone for wearing a mask or t or, or ridiculing them for wearing a mask, that's, that warrants the emergencies act. I mean, come on. I mean, maybe that, that person, you know, maybe gets, you know, warned or whatever by the cops to stop doing it, or they'll be arrested for, for harassment. But, but I mean, that's not, that doesn't warrant the emergencies act. I mean, bouncy castles don't warrant the emergencies act. Um, I, I said at the time, I did not approve of the truckers honking their horns all night long. Um, I mean, I thought that was in bad taste and didn't help their public perception. Um, but did it warrant the Emergencies Act? No, I, I just can't see this being justified. I just can't. I mean, the police didn't use any tactics the day they cleared out the protesters that they couldn't have used without the Emergencies Act. The only thing that they used that the Emergencies Act provided them was the ability to freeze bank accounts, which frankly should be, every single Canadian should be horrified by that. Yep, absolutely. Now, to be fair and give part of the other side, I was at an event um, about 10 days ago or so where Chris Barber was, was speaking. He was interviewing with uh, Theron Flurry and Jamie Soleil and their uh, their show Fire and Ice for Canadians for Truth. And uh, so since I was in the room and I was only about 50 feet away from Chris Barber, I feel pretty confident that I heard the straight goods and can deliver it honestly. He said that he had to give credit to uh, Justice Rouleau that when the inquiry, when it was his time to be on the stand and to Merrill Leach, that they were the only ones that Justice Rouleau actually addressed, addressed sorry, directly and you know, ask them questions directly and listen to their answers and actually had conversations with them while they were on the stand to get at least a better perspective of their end of the story. So uh, Chris Barber actually said that he felt that Justice Rouleau treated him and Tamara Leach fairly uh, during the inquiry process. Did anybody else treat them fairly? Well, no. And he had said that he actually felt that the police, by and large, rank and file were... Uh, complicit there you know supporting them but you know just not outwardly supporting them and that they had at least sympathy within the ranks of the police but then once the emergencies that came in and the riot police from quebec come along and the mounted uh, battalion from the toronto police came along and tra trampled over a indigenous old lady said that's when he knew it was over he said that's when uh because those police had no sympathy whatsoever. There was no emotion there. They just weren't were there to hurt people. And Tom Morazzo even said he, he saw that when uh, 
they were the riot police came along and were beating veterans who were wearing their medals, trying to stand stand uh, their ground. And he said, yeah, he said, that's, that's when you, you saw that there, those people were there and they just wanted to fight. And it's, uh, it's a real shame when, when police in this country start beating up their own citizens, especially, you know, the armed forces veterans who uh, already offered to lay down their lives for those police officers to live in a safe country. It's uh, disgusted me as a Canadian. Yeah, uh, yeah, it disgusted me too. And uh, this report disgusts me. It really does, yeah. Now, we posted a summary of the report on our, our Facebook page, and I don't expect any of you to have read it all. It's 268 pages, I think, just that summary. The report itself is 2,000 pages. I'll never get through all that, but I will be going through the summary in my spare time as, as the weeks go on. But there's, uh, honestly, I don't think I'm going to find anything new that we haven't already gone through. It's, uh, I don't understand how Justice Rule actually can't, I, let me rephrase that. I know exactly how Justice Rule could say that the government did meet the threshold to invoke the Emergencies Act because before he even started his inquiry was that, okay, you're going to find this finding and then you're going to work backwards to tell us how you got to it. And I don't know. I mean, I'm alleging that, of course, because I wasn't in the room when he was appointed. But to me, yeah, it was a foregone conclusion. He just had to find his way to, to get to that foregone conclusion. And it makes me sick because he even said that, well, even though that the, the CSIS definition wasn't met, maybe we need to take the CSIS definition of emergency out of the Emergencies Act altogether. That was one of his recommendations. Take the CSIS yeah. rec you know, requirement out. Um, so now you're gonna leave it up to cabinet to make a decision? The same cabinet who said, hey, maybe we should get some tanks to take this down. Um, I'm not comfortable with that. No, I'm not comfortable with government just having free reign like that. I mean, uh, the Emergencies Act has, has some uh, pretty drastic powers. Um, like being able to freeze your bank account, being able to seize your possessions, um, being able to, you know, hold you without charge. Um, you know, these, these kinds of things are, are absolutely scary for any government to have um, because any government that is given the ability to, um, to do these things will use them. They just will. This is, if history has taught us anything, it's that every single government, democratic or not, strives to be a dictatorship. And, and That's if a really you good give, point. And if you give a, a democratically elected government the ability to do undemocratic things, they will do them. We've seen it in Canada, we've seen it in the US, we've seen it in England, we've seen it everywhere. I mean, this is, this is not new. History has shown that, that, that free countries will cease to be free if you allow them to, because every elected official would love to just dictate their, their, uh, their policies to the people without having to have votes or 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 uh, or laws that stand in their way or uh, or even having to uh, you know 
uh, debate them in in the legislature. I mean, it's it, it this is this has been proven time and again that it doesn't matter what country you live in. Every single government strives to be tyrannical, and and I've never seen one that wasn't. Well, and this one full advantage and what the scary thing about that is is if indeed they did take out the the CSIS threshold the, the the section two of the CSIS act this was a protest with which the government did not agree justin trudeau lied on his during his testimony saying he never said anything bad about the unvaccinated for example and yeah. they used the emergencies act to shut down people with whom they disagreed people whom would never vote for them in the first place and that's that's the biggest thing is these are people that there's no consequence to, to sicking riot police on them because they weren't going to vote for Justin Trudeau anyway. And that's what sickens me. It sickens me that you have sicked your police forces on people who disagree with you. And it's not even about were they a danger to the country? No, they were no danger to the country. Hot tubs weren't hurting anybody. Feeding the homeless people and having more food than you actually could give away was not actually hurting anybody in Ottawa. What was hurting was the prime minister's ego because there were people who didn't like him on Parliament Hill. And that makes me sick. And I think that's a good way to end this show. Yep, I, I fully agree. Yep, we've got a government that, uh, yeah, they're full of bad people. And they just, yeah, I'm without words anymore. <laughs> that, that's kind of rare. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right canada well uh thank you for joining us and uh for those of you who have been with been with us for well probably four of the last five years because the first year i think it was probably just the two of us and maybe a few stragglers um thank you for sticking with us and we'll uh talk to you again next week uh it's tony in saskatchewan and lewis out here in bc good night good night canada <laughs>